It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a drive! Swing, there's a shot. High drive! Out of here! This laser beam of a home run for Brandon Crawford. First home run of the year for the Giants, and it's Joey Bart. Is. Challenger strikes out swinging. Bang! And as he struck him out. What a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Inside Giant Moments. Yastrzemski! Gone! And late night Lamont strikes again. Belt was all over it. The captain. Great call, Parker. With Adam Copeland. Welcome back into the Inside Giant Moments podcast. I'm your host, Adam Copeland. and with you all season long as we get ready to wrap up the 2022 campaign and wrap up this year's editions of the Inside Giant Moments podcast. We'll be back with you next week for one final wrap-up episode, sort of a recap of the way uh, 2022 shook out for the Giants. And while it was not the season we all hoped it was going to be after 107 wins, I think there are some building blocks, some foundational pieces. Of course, Logan Webb, Camilo Doval, heck, maybe J.D. Davis, who's actually our guest today on the Inside Giant Moments podcast podcaster guys who can be cornerstones for this team going forward since the Giants acquired J.D. Davis by the way he has been fantastic into his sixth year at the big league level now in his his first half season with the Giants and he is under team control for the next couple of years but he's played uh, 44 games with the Giants, 136 plate appearances, 118 total at-bats. But since he's got here, he has been a far better hitter than he was in his time with the New York Mets earlier this year. Seven homers for him versus just four with the Mets. And actually played 22 more games with the Mets than he's had with the Giants right now. He's driven in 13. He has struck out 48 times. But he's put together a 900 OPS and a 280 batting average. And when you hear what J.D. has to say, this was something I'd, I'd sort of heard and read about when he got traded over here for Darren Ruff at the trade deadline back in, uh, it's actually on August 2nd this year, was that uh, he's a guy who needs to play. He's a guy who needs to touch the field. He needs to get consistent at bats. And now that was something the Giants could afford him that the Mets could not because the Mets are one of the best teams in baseball. And when he was traded over here, they were looking for pieces that were going to help them go out and win a world championship. And I, I think that not that J.D. Davis was not a guy they believed in, but was a guy who I think needed to see the field a little bit more. He wasn't going to get reps at first base with Pete Alonso there. They had guys in there who could designate a hit like Mark Canna. They've, they had guys all over this team and power on the corners, power uh, in the outfield. And so he's a guy who I think, while he's not a plus defender, can play the field a little bit, as we mentioned, at third base and at first base and some in the outfield. But at just getting a couple opportunities a week as a DH or in there as a supplemental piece or as a substitution piece is sometimes tough for some guys. Rhythm is such a huge part of the game of baseball. Getting reps, getting repetition. If you go back through J.D. Davis's career, his best year came in 2019 as a 26-year-old. His first year with the Mets, he played in 140 games, the most to this point in any season of his career. He's at 110 right now between the Giants and the Mets in 2022. But in that year, he had 22 doubles. He had 22 home runs. He hit 307 at an 895 OPS. That's the guy who the Mets thought they were going to have in there each and every day at third base. Well, as he he fell out of favor when it came to playing time, 
Obviously, they've had managerial changes in that span, and the Mets have just become a much different and much better team uh, in the uh, the four years or the three years since J.D. Davis had that breakout season back in 2019. So the hope is that because he's in there so much more consistently for the Giants, he's given the opportunity to get some rhythm and get some consistency when it comes to at-bats. This is a guy who could be a dangerous hitter for the next couple of years for the Giants out at Oracle Park. Now, we'll get into this conversation with J.D. Don't forget, he grew up a Dodger fan, and of course his dad is a diehard or was a diehard uh, Dodger fan growing up in Southern California, and J.D. said that made for a whole bunch of fun when he got traded over to the Giants. But we'll let you uh, hear the start of this conversation. He did say maybe his dad has come around to the black and orange side from the uh, the blue and the white. So uh, our conversation with J.D. Davis was a wonderful time with him. Get to know him. He'll be here for the next few years with your San Francisco Giants. Here it is, our conversation with Giants third baseman, first baseman, designated hitter, J.D. Davis. It is a pleasure to welcome to the Inside Giant Moments podcast one of the newest San Francisco Giants. J.D. Davis came over from the New York Mets at the trade deadline a couple of months ago. J.D., thanks for making time today, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Um, You know, it's been great out here. Love it here in San Fran. Uh, Can't complain. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like coming home a little bit for you, uh, uh, you know, being from Elk Grove and all that. So we got to get out of the way early. Uh, ha- has your dad made the full conversion yet to be an Giants <laughs> fan from being a Dodger fan? <laughs> yeah, he has. Uh, I bought him plenty of Giants stuff, and he's rocking it left and right. So um, he's happy to be a Giants fan. He's happy to see me out there. So um, he's getting a lot of flack back in back at work back in uh, Sacramento. So, but um, he's loving it. I mean, he can't complain. His son is two less than two hours away from him. Right, right. You're close to home. Uh, you get to see him more. He can come watch you play more frequently. I, I yep. love that, man. So, he, so he's, a, he's a real baseball fan. Like, he follows baseball. He was a Dodger fan, and he was into the game anyway, right? Yeah, he was a kid that grew up. Um, he was one of five siblings, but growing up, um, he was grew up down in um, Los Angeles, but he went to every single Dodger game, and he was one of those kids that collected cards and collected baseballs and collected those plastic helmets and went around, and whenever there was a team in, uh, in town that he would go in and yep. – get as many autographs as he could so he lives and breathes baseball he uh he was a pitcher all the way up to junior college um and then at that time I think he blew out his elbow and um obviously couldn't afford the Tommy John surgery way back in the 70s and 80s so uh but he lives and breathes baseball so um he was definitely uh pretty pumped up to be a part of my journey from being three years old of holding a bat for the first time to being on a major league ballpark so uh pretty special to uh, share that with him. Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. That's cool. That's something you guys bonded over, it sounds like, uh, over the course of your life. And, and as you mentioned, your journey to the big leagues. Uh, what, what was his reaction when he heard about the trade? Was there any, any jokes made? Was he just stoked that you were coming home? <laughs> well, that, that's the funny part is because the Giants weren't really, like, on our radar. And, I, I mean, I don't mean that in any disrespectful way or anything like that. It was just more so, like, possibilities of, you know, Arizona with, you know, Christian Walker and, you know, just some, you know, uh, kind of ideas that were thrown around with the Mets um, as for what they thought of as an upgrade or anything like that in regard um, any articles that were coming out. So when I finally got the call from Billy Epler uh, that I got traded and then he finally said the Giants, I just started smiling because it was just so funny how it came full circle um that you know so many people were giving me flack over the years and even my dad um and then just finally able to wear those cream jerseys uh giants across them um and then i texted him just one word giants <laughs> that's a great story dude that's hysterical man I, I he love started it. So <laughs> he just started dying laughing and then i'll see when i got off the phone i talked to him he just 
he was just so happy first off that I got out of that situation. And then two, like he was just, he was just, I mean, he was beyond word, beyond words and just laughing too. And so happy that, you know, I'm so close to home and just, you know, um, just a blessing over here. I grew up in this weather, this area, yep. and it's just, it's like coming home. That's, that's so cool, man. So, so in, in terms of, uh, of a trade going down, I mean, it sounds like you had a pretty good reaction to it. It was a good one for you. It was a positive thing for you and for your career. What, what, what was the most exciting element of this? Because you said getting out of that situation, and I, I feel like since you've gotten here, you, you've played freely. You, you've gotten to play more consistently, it seems like. You've been productive. Yeah. You've been dangerous at the plate. What, what was so great and, and freeing about coming to San Francisco from the situation you were in before? I guess it's, I mean, it's so easy to say and no, so cliche, but yeah. In this game where we fail so much, um, having the freedom to fail and have that growth and have that freedom to just learn from the game. I know it's it sounds so like, you know, elementary for my age and being in the big leagues for, you know, my fourth year. Um, but we still learn from this game every single day. Um, and this game up here in the big leagues is the pinnacle. Like there's no other level going up from there. There's no other uh level going beyond this so it's more so of a learning curve where guys you know are adjusting to you and then you adjust to pitching it's a it's an endless wave going up and down so um I felt like I was during I was making that adjustment where pitchers were uh kind of attacking me and so I wasn't able to make that adjustment because with the Mets I was you know playing every two three four at most at one time I think it was like six days where I you know I wasn't getting it at a bat so it's very hard for me to find that timing um, necessarily and try to compete at the major league level. Um, and during that, I mean, it was more so of just going up there and just trying to not necessarily put the ball in play, but just to compete, not worry, worry about my mechanics or anything like that, because I didn't have time to really think about that as a hitter or try to make those adjustments because there's so much space in between every opportunity to play out there on the field. So I think coming over here and talking to cap and giving me the opportunity to just face righties, um, not necessarily on a daily basis, but um, every other every other day, and just getting in at a bat. Um, uh, I know the situation up here. Just like I said before, this is the major league, so there's so much talent around this team and other teams that you know. I, I just ask for you know one at bat a day. That way, at least you know 95. You know, doesn't look like 120 three days from now, if that makes sense. So. Um, it's just to keep my brain sharp and my body sharp. And I think uh, just being over here and being exposed and playing the field is really kept me within the game and kept my wits about me. And just to be able to make those adjustments between at bats instead of adjustments three, four days at a park. I think it's a great answer for people who, you know, haven't taken it at bat at the big league level to understand what yeah. it's like to have to step in there cold. Uh, in terms of being like a designated hitter and you play all over the field, first, third, some DH, does DH sort of have that same effect where obviously you're not in the rhythm of the game in the same way? How do you stay fresh between DHing and, and playing in the field? What, what are the challenges that are being just Yeah, yeah that's definitely tough, um, especially when you're not playing defense. But like today, um, I am DHing, but yesterday I played, you know, nine innings at first base. So it's not, it's not that big of an adjustment, but like what you said, like if you were to DH every single day, it's very, it's very hard to keep your body loose because not many people put one, two together is that when you go out there and you're taking ground balls or you're, um, you know, going out to the outfield running, you're keeping your legs loose. Um, you're staying strong. You're more conditioned in the long run. And I feel like that kind of helps me at the plate. 
um, being a little more focused and just having my body hot and ready to go where, you know, when you're in, in DH, um, you know, depends on the situation of the game, you know, when everybody's hitting, you could get in at bat, you know, within 15 minutes, but when the game is going by really slow and, you know, you're adding it up and you only get three plate appearances a, a game, you know, it's about 45, 50 minutes between each at each at bat. So it's hard to stay locked in. Definitely. Absolutely. You know, Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz made it look very, a lot more easier than what it is. I'll give them credit for that. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just way easier for as a player to mentally stay locked in as a, as a infielder or just a player out on the field, but DH wise, um, obviously it's a lot easier when things are going well, when you're hitting well, and uh, it's easier to turn those pages as a DH, but, um, but yeah, just like you said, I can play all around, uh, move in and out, you know, play first base one day, DH next and third base the next day, left field the next day, just kind of moving all around um, until, you know, finally a team can commit me to one, one spot. Uh, I know my back can keep me in the lineup and, you know, I'm just trying to, keep those adjustments and stay in that stay in the lineup that's all i'm trying to do yeah and i think it's a great way as you mentioned you know being an everyday dh is one thing but but a way to get a guy in there to keep his bat in the lineup even if you want to give yeah. his legs a rest that's a little bit of a different thing it's funny you mentioned too like there's nowhere to go beyond this this is the big leagues this is the highest yeah. you can go uh and you talked about your conversations with cap when he came over i remember him making a statement about how the coaching staff was going to focus a lot on continuing to coach and develop at the big league level do, do you think yeah. that's kind of what you're talking about there where it's yeah. not just roll the ball out and go play they're actually working with guys to improve the approach at the big league level yeah, I'll say this exactly. Um, you know, coming from my third organization, you know, one with the Astros, Mets and Giants, I'll say this, the player development wise, I think is absolutely a priority over here. And I absolutely love it. Um, I think the attention to detail these guys um, come in day in and day out. Um, I think that's wonderful. And it helps me as a player. Um, and then the communication on top of that, um, you know, it's it, this game is just like I said, it's a game of failure. And so as a player, you try to prepare for every opportunity as best as you can, not only for yourself, but for, for the team as well, at team as well, because you don't, you want to go up to the at bat, you know, trying to stay, be focused. You don't want to be ambushed. You want your body hot and stuff like that. So the communication from Kapler and from the front office has been by far the best. And I think that's kind of helped me kind of get over that hump and just kind of play, play freely and play with uh, at the field of fear of failure. Did you always want to be a, a baseball player? Was this the goal from the time you were a little kid? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I've never dreamed of anything else. Um, just being out there in T-ball fields or the Little League fields with my dad growing up, um, wishing it and him always asking me what I wanted to do when I get older. And I've always said I wanted to be a big league baseball player. And um, he asked me again in high school because that was pretty much the determining kind of crossroads where yeah. – all right, if we're going to do this, we're going to dive in. And I said the exact same words when I was three years old that I wanted to become a big league baseball player. And, you know, uh, it was a long road. It's a tough road. It's not easy. But uh, I'm glad and proud of myself to, you know, say that I made it all the way. When did you know that that was a possibility? Was it in college at Cal State Fullerton? Was it, uh, what was it sometime yeah. before that? Is that when you thought I, I could actually do this and make yeah. it to the bigs? Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's different points. Um, every baseball player, you know, kind of gets that idea or gets that thought process in their head. We're like, all right, am, am I going to make it? Um, am I not going to make it? And then there's times where like, all right, am I going to make it and like stick up here? Like, am I going to be successful? Do I need to work on some stuff? So kind of part of your question, I knew I was going to be 
um, a big leaguer, probably probably around college, I would say about that, about or after freshman kind of sophomore year, that's where I kind of blossomed and took off, took off at Cal State Fullerton. I knew that um, the way I was carrying myself and having at bats and playing the game that, you know, I can make it to the big leagues and then kind of going on that plan B, what I said, um, double A is usually that kind of precursor or that kind of turning point for everybody where they kind of weed out the, the good, the good players. And then just kind of those minor league players. And so I remember 2016 was kind of a, a year, probably the first half was I really struggled, um, hitting and, um, second half, I kind of like something clicked. And from there on, um, I knew I, I made the adjustment and I knew I was going to, you know, be a successful big leaguer um, and not just make it. I mean, I think that's what everybody doesn't really uh, talk about is it's easier. And I don't need to, to put this down at all, but it's it's kind of put you in perspective. It's easier to make it than to stay up here and have a long career because it's just it, the talent here is just by far the best. And then on top of that, you've got, you know, not just us, but guys that, you know, collect scouting reports for the last four years since I know my first at bat since 2017. So heat maps, tendencies, um, what I swing at in different counts is all collected. So that's where kind of that mind game of failure is because there's so much information on you. And that's why it's, you know, it's so appreciative and so cool to see, you know, guys that have been in the game for 10, 12 years that are still doing it. It's, it's, it speaks, uh, their actions speak louder than words. So, um, that's where I'm at right now. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be a big leader. Yeah. It's, it's a game of adjustments for sure. Cause you talk yeah. about guys have the book on you, then you adjust and they adjust and it's absolutely. back and forth. We see it with pitchers a lot too. Young guys come up. Yeah, absolutely. Really yeah. Sharper than the league figures them out. You know, uh, you, you've mm-hmm. been fantastic since you got here, man. Nine thirty OPS. I, I want to say I might've been at your first, uh, your first homer at Oracle park. I think you hit one nice. the other way into the arcade. Uh, and I, was like, I was like, oh my God, how did this guy do that? I was like, no right hand hits it into the arcade. Is, is opposite field power something uh, something you, you sort of uh, uh, like to hang your hat on? Because it's a great element to have. It's a it's a, a dangerous thing. I think about you at the plate. Austin Slater has been kind of an opposite yep. field power guy uh, himself. Yeah. But you just you've got big hulking swings. It seems like to right field. Yeah. And, uh, uh, tell me about about that approach and, and how long you've had power to the opposite field. Yeah, um, it's just something that kind of came together. I would say college. And then the dominoes kind of came came uh, towards minor league ball. Because yeah. just like I said, you make adjustments over time and you refine your approach. And as you go along each year, as you get older, you start to figure out how your body moves and how the proper swing you are. And, you know, that's just the way that you swing and that's where you do your most damage. So um, I've learned over time that if I can stay to that center field, um, if you're looking at the field at 391 to like the AAA insurance, um, I think that kind of gives me the most room for error. Um, if my mechanics are in line, everybody can be different. You know, some guys like to pull, some guys like heck to go right down that line. I know, you know, I've heard through the, through the rumor, Aaron judge, you know, he's so strong that he gets away with, you know, he tries, tries to hit it down the right field foul pole, um, on a fastball. So that way he can catch every off speed and just stay behind and make everything look so, uh, so so uh slow and come to the plate like a beach ball but for my strength i like to stay in that 391 if you're looking at oracle park 391 to that triple a insurance um and i think that just kind of 
gives me room for air to catch that off speed out in front and either hook it in that five, six hole or drive it into that left centered gap. Um, and then also just to gives me room because if I try to go to right field more, I can get a little bit too inside the ball and get under it. And so I think that kind of gives me a little bit more wiggle room to stay on top of that fastball and stay more towards the center field and drive it in a way that makes sense. Yeah. It's great insight, man. For, for think about what you're thinking about uh, when you get up to the plate there and what you're looking for on the, on the outside part of the plate. That's a, uh, that's cool to hear about. So I'm looking and I'm hearing you talk going the other way. I was looking at your, uh, your stats page here, two career triples, if you, flip one out there, if you flip one out there to 391, could you get chugging? Could you make it to 30? Oh, absolutely. I'll get up there standing, baby. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that. I'll come back next year. Hopefully. We're talking about, uh, about a handful of triples that J.D. Davis is hitting for the Giants. Uh, dude, the, the, the Giants are so cool, man, because growing up here, and, and you know this being from, from not far, the Giants keep Hall of Famers around. Like, guys are just kicking it yeah. around the organization. And, you know, it's cool to, to grow up as a kid in the Bay Area and get to see Willie McCovey until he passed and Orlando Cepeda and Gaylord Perry and whatnot. Yep. I saw a photo of you and Willie Mays, man. How cool was that getting to hang with Willie Mays? Man, that was awesome. I, I mean, he was kind of, he was, you know, he was happy to see me. I shook his hand, you know, I was kind of speechless. And then they started, you know, he was asking about my stats and everything. And he said, I only got 11 home runs. And he just kind of <laughs> looked at me and he's like, what? You only got 11 home runs? He's like, how much you weigh? And I was like, 225, 230. He's like, oh boy, you should be hitting 20 to 30 of them. And I'm like, Willie, I've only got like 250 at bat. He's like, I don't care. You should be having that home run every single time. But I'm like, oh my goodness, Willie. So they, a lot of players warned me about him and how, uh, how great he is as a person and, you know, just how genuine and one of a kind he is. And sure enough, you know, even with all his uh, medical conditions and how old he is, he hasn't missed a beat. He still loves baseball. He still, you know, loves showing up here and uh, just meeting with the guys and talking to them and, um, you know, it was just a great moment. Um, anytime you get to see a 24 time all-star and, uh, you know, San Francisco legend, even just a baseball legend, I think I was blown away, speechless and just a little kid again. Yeah. Anytime you meet somebody who they've got a statue of outside of the ballpark is, uh, is pretty incredible, man. It's really yeah. cool to get to see him around the ballpark. And I was a great shot at you guys hanging there. I love that he asked you about the home runs. In your <laughs> that's, that's just, as if that exactly correlates it based on. Whatever your weight is, is the number of home runs you should be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is there another guy from the time, like when you came up and you were in Houston, or maybe it's even with the Mets, or maybe it was here in San Francisco, where you were like, man, that's crazy that I'm playing against these guys or that I'm playing alongside this baseball card or a dude I've only ever seen in MLB the show? I, I imagine there was a handful of them, but uh, is there oh, absolutely. that just blew you away? Absolutely. Um, I think one guy that, you know, that my late grandma, because obviously my, my dad grew up as an LA Dodger fan, I, I know, but. Um, just facing Kershaw. I think that was the coolest thing um, because I'm a 90s baby. So I've seen that guy pitch when he was a rookie all the way till now. Um, I think that's been like pretty cool to face him. Um, obviously, when I was with the Astros playing, just kind of being on the opposite side of uh, Mike Trout. He's absolutely ginormous. He's huge. He hits balls. Oh my God. So hard. Um, obviously the dude that just got 700 home runs, Albert Pujols, when I uh, faced him when he was with the Dodgers last year, when uh, I was on the Met. So when you start to run in with these older guys, it's, it kind of leaves you speechless in a way because there's a kind of an aura or an awe about them um, because what they do is, is not easy. And they, but just like I said earlier, they've been doing this for 10, 15, heck Albert. I don't know if Albert, I think Albert's coming up on 20, but that's even incredible. So um, just to kind of see those guys and how they carry themselves and just how they swing 
and just their presence in that in that box and how they take it in the bat is just you could just sit there and with a notepad and pen and just watch them and how their demeanor and how calm they are. And I think that's pretty cool um, just to run into any of those type of guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking the same thing about about Albert Pujols. We had uh, we had Evan Longoria on the podcast earlier this year. Yeah. He said the same thing. He was like, "Yeah, dude, get in the face Pujols." Like he pitched to him earlier this year. <laughs> Longo hit a home run. I was like, "Not many guys are going to get to see that." A lot of pitchers exactly. are like, you know, he, even he thought that was incredible getting to play alongside mm-hmm. Pujols, which is so cool because really he's cool. been around and, and is a you know maybe a, a Hall of Famer in his own right. Uh, Evan Longoria. Right. Uh, what What were your thoughts on Oracle Park uh, as a player playing in the ballpark before coming here, and, and has it changed at all since since now that you're playing here, uh, having your home games played here? As uh, they say, it's a, a tough hitters park. Is that does yeah. that hold true, or or do you? Do you um, it's a little bit. I, I would say it's more neutral. I would say because I was here. In 2019, I think y'all haven't put the fences in from center field, I think. I think it was still like 405, 410. And at that time, I think that was when it was kind of a graveyard. I think bringing it in to 391 has kind of saved a lot of hitters. I think you guys saw Jock's home run uh, two nights ago. That thing just kind of uh, scraped on over. But, I mean, if we had the old fences, that wouldn't have gone gone close, probably not even to the warning track. So, um, but anytime – like before this year, I've always loved coming to Oracle Park. I remember just looking around on the, I mean, on the visitor side, uh, over by the left field bleachers. I, I sat over there a couple times. I've sat up on the third level. I've sat up over by Levi's Landing. Like, um, so it's definitely weird to finally play yeah. on this field and then to actually call it home um, and just show up here every single day is just kind of speechless. I had the same effect when. Uh, growing up and going to Sacramento Rivercats games um, when that was when their affiliate with the A's and Eric right. Chavez, Chris Carter was there. So, um, you know, I've been to quite a few games all around Northern California. So it's really cool. Um, speechless dream come true to, you know, play um, at basically your home home ballpark. You ever have a uh, you ever have a crab sandwich? No. Oh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Garlic fries. Oh, it's amazing. Insane. Oh, dude, I crush them. Crush them, yeah. <laughs> can you just smell garlic from the field ever? Uh, yeah, you can smell garlic. Yeah, there's always a certain time. It's always popcorn in the beginning, and then yep. garlic around probably like the second, third inning. That's when they start, you know, that garlic smell starts lingering on on the field. They're not far from you. They're right up behind yeah. you. There. Uh, all right, now before we let you go, just just a quick one here on the way out. Can you remember who you hit your first big league triple off of? Since we were joking about it, was it? It was with the Mets. I think it was off Hoffman, right? A curveball and David yep. Dahl. Dave uh, Dahl. David oh, yeah. Dahl dove into left center and it got by him. And I think Tappy went after it. And I was hustling around second. He's even and breathing, sweating like a cheeseburger, and finally got my first triple. <laughs> boy, JD. Oh, man. It's been fun to get to know you, man. It's cool. I, I grew up in the Bay Area. You're from not far, obviously. And uh, and I'm a 90s kid just like you. So uh, it's cool to, uh, to shoot the ball and bounce around baseball stuff with you, man. It's been a great having you. I'm looking forward to, to what next year brings. You've been a, a great force in the lineup, and you seem like a great guy for the clubhouse, too. So fun catching up with you, man, and, uh, and great to get to meet you. Awesome. Thank you. Meeting, uh, thanks for meeting you, and thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, J.D. Hey, no problem. Oh, great stuff from J.D. Davis. What a likable guy. How about the cackle we got out of him at the beginning, talking about how his dad has finally come over to uh, to the Giants side of things after rooting for the Dodgers for so many years. Really cool to hear him though, talk about the history of baseball and his family. And I imagine for his dad, this is a really, really cool thing. Has wanted him to be a big leaguer his whole life. His dad, he said, played, uh, played baseball into the junior college level and then uh, had an injury and couldn't get it fixed. But J.D. is living out his dream from the time he was just a little kid and having his dad ride alongside him, being so close to home, having an opportunity 
for friends and family to come out and watch him play. It's just really cool, especially when you hear about a guy who grew up, obviously, Sacramento and Elk Grove, not the Bay Area, but just outside of the Bay Area. So a lot of stuff he grew up uh, with and, and players he grew up following are a lot of the same guys and the same feelings and, and uh, area you grow up in, the, the stuff that shapes you as a person. I just thought that was really cool. I always love when a guy is uh, is a homegrown player or a guy who grew up close to the Bay Area, close to San Francisco Giants baseball, and then has a good time and good success coming to play here. There may be another guy from Linden, California, that we're hoping comes on down to play for the Giants next season. We'll see what happens this offseason, and that could be the point of our conversation next week when we wrap up the Inside Giant Moments podcast. Can't believe we are already coming to an end in the 2022 season. These things happen so fast. You let them into your house, your, your baseball broadcasters, your players, they become friends with you they become companions and then all of a sudden the uh, the, the calendar flips to october uh then it flips to november and here comes the winter and we get left in the cold until it uh, it, it renews itself again next spring should be a lot of fun as we wrap up Next week, the 2022 editions of the Inside Giant Moments podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss any more of the final episode of this season. And you're going to want to make sure you're locked in for everything that we have to bring you for next year in 2023. Until then, enjoy the final home weekend of Giants baseball. Enjoy the start of the uh, the final series next week against the San Diego Padres, and we will talk to you next week. I've been your host, Adam Copeland, and you've been listening to the Inside Giant Moments podcast. We'll talk to you then. Swing and a drive! Home run for Brent. This what a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Is Yastrzemski gone? And late night Lamont strikes, strikes again. again. And belt was all over it. The captain inside giant moments. It's headed for the bay. The third of the night for Jock Peterson with Adam Copeland. Well, strikeouts and they're on their feet here at Oracle Park for Carlos Rodon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.